Romans 3, Paul reminds us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? As we are here, Lord, we do so also recognizing that we have all, in fact, sinned. That is, we have all, in fact, not done that which you have asked us in living lives that are purely self-sacrificial and loving others. We have done things that have not valued what you have taught us on how we were designed to live as humans, as your creation. Lord, we have done things that have not reflected your image in this world, that have not guarded your your creation and not cultivated it well. We have not taken the gifts, that is, all the things that you have given us in this life and used them to be a blessing. So Lord, in this moment, I want you to hear the humility of your people, the humility of your church, simply bowing before you in our hearts, recognizing that we have not done exactly, we have not lived up to the potential that you set within us. Amen. The the beautiful gift of God, the gift of God that's also a powerful one, is that we are given, we are given each and new day, new creation. Each and every day that we wake up, the Lord has called us a new creation in which we can start right now living into the new design, the original design of God for you. I know life is complex. I know things are complicated. It's it's hard to know which way is up, which way is down. Sometimes we feel like we're going sideways each and every new day. This gospel is that Jesus has won the way for us calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. He has won that for you. And we now, within this, uh, this gift of God, Jesus, we now have life eternal, and it has already started. Your eternal life has already started. And with right now, with right now, you get to already start feeling like that new creation. Nothing that we can do on our own is something that we need to have the Lord, the Holy Spirit within us, around us, moving in and through us so that we can we can put on this new life that Jesus has won for us. And we're gonna talk about that today. But for now, let us, let us vocalize together our response to this amazing grace, this gospel, this amazing story, singing that I surrender, I will surrender myself, I will commit myself, to exploring more about this Jesus and even bow before him as my Lord and my Savior. Let's respond in song together. Surrender all. 
Feel free to have a seat. I'm getting our rhythms back here with our worship together. We had some time off this past year. Um, you know, being together in a worship service has so many different purposes and motivations and reasons for why we do this. And every once in a while, it's good to stop and remember some, some of them. Why, why are we here? What would you say? Why do we come together and worship? What are some reasons? What are some motivations? To be with the family of God. I like that one, that this should be like a family reunion when we are here. And when we're not here, we're not, we're not coming to the family table. I love that one. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah, when we come before, when we come to worship together, it's an opportunity for us to remember reality. There, there are many things that we do throughout the week that help us not remember reality. <laughs> but coming to worship, it's like orientation time. It's coming back and, and remembering who we are as, as God created us to be and also the ways that we have not always done that why we have that time of prayer of confession. Yeah, it's a time for us to be living in reality and not pretending that things are, things are different than how they are. Good. Anything else? Anybody else? Yeah, go ahead. Because God told us to. Well, that's a good reason. Yeah, we come to worship the Lord because, because God, throughout the history of, of, our, of humanity, when when God spoke to us throughout time, it's always been a call to worship him, a call to remember that we are first and foremost the created. Good. Anything else? Yeah, Don. Oh, I love it. It's a time for us to come and we can, in the Holy Spirit, we can be encouraging and challenging one another as people who are trying to follow the Lord. In some ways, everybody coming together and like, like this becomes a meeting of, of those who are being sent out by the Lord. And when we come together, it's in some ways as if we're all missionaries just coming to a training every week to better be equipped, encouraged, challenged, held responsible for how we're doing that together. Yeah, that's a really good one, too. It says in Scripture, there's a proverb that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Good. Ruth. And it's, it's not just that we should worship. It's that we should do so regularly. It's that we should do so consistently. There's something good about worship, that how we were created, it needs to do that regularly together. Yeah. Follow up, yes. Yeah, Jesus said that whenever two or more are gathered in my name, that there I will be in the midst of them. And there is something unique. We can, we can worship the Lord in our homes in the morning with our cup of coffee, open up a psalm, put, put him, sing, sing a song. But there's something unique about being in the community in which the Lord has promised to be there in, in different, special, and in ways that we can only experience when we're together as the body of faith. 
And maybe we'll just end there. Remember on Pentecost, we're getting close to Pentecost. I, I believe that that day would not have happened if Peter was in his own house and John was in his own house and Thomas. It's the fact that they came together and were following that command of the Lord, that the Holy Spirit moved upon them and in them to then continue the mission of Jesus. We talked about that co-mission. It's because we have the same mission as the Lord Jesus. On, on that note, I want to highlight that on the back board, as you're leaving today, the sanctuary, you'll see that our mission, our mission board has been, um, has given, remade, re-given re a new look. It's like extreme makeover mission board edition here in our church. So just take a look as you walk out. You can see there all the different um, correspondences that we have with different missionaries, a little highlight of all the ones we support. And the mission team here that, that, that communicates with them, and they wanted me to also thank everyone because part of, the, part of the financial gifts that you give to the church go towards supporting these missionaries around the world. So our ability to, to continue to be supporting people in, in, in different places where it's, it's important that this gospel of hope is reaching that's being done also through you as we are giving money here to River of the Valley. So they wanted to give a special thank you to all of you who are, who are faithful in, in supplying our financial uh, needs. Amen. Uh, Sheena already mentioned it. This Friday, this Friday at 7 o'clock, we're going to be here in the sanctuary, and it's going to look different. And it's going to be a setting for you to come and encounter the Lord together. Uh, this will be for anybody, so you can come, you can bring friends. It's going to be a, 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 a unique setting uh, for worship. And we're going to focus on lament, being honest about how we've felt in the past couple months with our frustrations about the world. Um, maybe it's because you've lost things recently. And then we'll move into hope. We'll move into how the Lord has given us even, even when things are difficult and we feel that, the Lord gives us that next step of hope. So we're going to be focusing on that, and, and if you wanted to come also for prayer, we'll have elders and deacons here that will be uh, willing and able to pray for you. Uh, it, will be, it will be a great time. So I hope that you'll be here Friday at 7 o'clock. Turn with me to John 15. In John 15, we're focusing together on the metaphor of the vine, of a grapevine. And Jesus calls himself this vine. Next week, we're going to dive and we're going to focus purely on that idea. What it means that Jesus calls himself this vine. Why is that significant? We talked last week about the four C's of our church connect, commit, and how we expect people to be moving down. This is a journey to connect, commit, confess, and commission. So next week we'll be diving more into the confession part, confess. Today we're, we're focusing more on commit. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 5, John 15. So let me read these and then we'll, we'll pray together that the Lord would help us continue to understand this. 
It says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Pray with me, will you? Because, Lord, we need to start with prayer because we recognize that you have to be the one helping us understand what you're trying to say. And that's what we're asking now, is that you would continue to show us or continue to help us listen to what you are saying about yourself. Thank you for those, those leaders, those early followers who heard you say these things and wrote them down so that now we can focus on them too. Lord, help us now to better understand who you are, who we are, and what you have called us to. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about remaining. In some translations, the word is abide, abide in me, or remain in me. Um, what is Jesus talking about here? The word actually has both of those meanings. You, you remain or you abide in a place. It has the you pull that back, it has the, the idea of an abode or a dwelling place. In the chapter before this, in, in 14, John 14, Jesus says something famously. He says, in my father's house, there are many. Yeah, there are a lot of different translations. Sometimes it's translated mansions. Sometimes it's translated rooms. It's the same root, the same word, dwelling place. He's going to prepare this dwelling place. And now here he's asking us to make our dwelling, to remain, to make our abode, to abide in him. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. That as, as we come into listening, what Jesus wants from us, as we get connected, that next step into commit is he's asking us to commit, to abide, and to remain, to make our dwelling in him. That's what he's asking us. Now, as we think about what Jesus is asking us to do, and he's asking this dwelling, the first question is, how many places can you dwell at once? One. You haven't figured out how to clone yourself yet? No? You know, I've been cloning myself for the past four months. For the past four months, and this is something we'll get to again later in the message today, I have been also leading worship and preaching at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning at a different church. Thank you, Facebook. <laughs> We've been, I've been recording a, an entire worship service, and at 10 o'clock, it's also going live for a whole other church. It's a one in Eco. They're in South L.A., Spanish-speaking church. But I can only actually physically be in one place. You can only physically dwell in one place at one time. 
In fact, when it comes to what we are giving ourselves over to, mind, body, and spirit, there's also, there's only one place that you can be giving yourself to, that you can dwell. Jesus is, what Jesus is pushing on us today is considering where are you dwelling in your life? Where are you dwelling? Day in and day out, morning to night, where are we dwelling? Physically, but also emotionally, spiritually, what are we filling our heads with? What are we spending our time looking at? Hearing? Doing? Jesus says, make your dwelling in me. Make your dwelling in me. That is what he is asking us today. There's an expression that's become popular in the past century. It's the idea of being on the right side of history. Have you heard that? Be on the right side of history. I want to make my decisions. I want to vote in a certain way. I want to decide what I'm going to do and all the hot button issues in life because I want to be on the right side of history. Something like 100 years from now, when the history books are writing about this time, I want to be on the side in which people think I was in the right. Be on the right side of history. Like in the antebellum South, being on the right side of history was to be an abolitionist, we now, we now look back and say. Being on the wrong side of history would have been trying to maintain slavery in its full form. Okay, so that's the idea of being on the right side of history. Now, that has become a place, for instance, where we dwell. It's not a bad question. It's not a bad question at all. Jesus is asking. Ultimately, it's about remaining in him. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then what? All these things will fall into place. Even being on the right or wrong side of history. I'll say a different way too. Jesus says in the beginning of this, in verse 3, he says, you are already clean." You are already clean. That's a word that also could be translated, you are already pruned because of the word that he has spoken to you. I think there's also a desire for many people today to feel like they're living a pure, clean, pruned life. There's only one way to get clean. <laughs> there's only one way to be clean in our living. That's remaining in the Lord Jesus. For a lot of us, we go through life and what the world offers to us is, is a drug. It's a way to ignore reality and continue to fill our heads with things that get our emotions, get our minds, and even our spirits all wound up. But it's shallow. There's only so much there are only so many episodes of your favorite Netflix show or Hulu, whatever you're doing. There are only so many episodes of your favorite TV show. 
And when you get to the end of that, what does it feel like? It's, it's like, it's great, it's, but then you're like, oh, now what do I do with my life? Jesus is saying that if you really want to have life that is clean and not addicted to the things of this world, you need to be pruned and remain in him. And what, what, why does it really matter? If I get hooked on the things of this world, isn't it only affecting me? No. In fact, Jesus has called us to remain in him, not for just your own well-being. Jesus' plan is to make this entire world return to his original design in which there is no pain, in which we love one another, in which there is no division that, that breaks down humanity, that causes such fighting like we're seeing in the past week in, in, the, in the Near East. We're seeing all these, all these signs in, in our life in the past year with our politics and our society and the divisions that the pandemic has brought upon us. The reason why we are called to remain in Jesus is so all of that will eventually be eradicated and it will be a return to the original design that God has for our world. You here are being called to remain in Jesus, not just so that you would be clean and feel like you're living the life, your best life now, but also so that this world, this world would be able to be transformed into where Jesus is taking it. The church is the presence of God here and now. As Jesus returns to his throne in heaven, as he ascends, Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit comes, so that you all, that we would be now that enduring presence of Christ and that we would be affecting this world. It's like as if Jesus and this church are working together to continue the healing, mind, body, and spirit that you read about in Scripture. The question is, are we willing to commit ourselves to believe that that type of healing, mind, body, and spirit, is something that's possible through us. Jesus believes it is. He says you are already clean. He says you are already pruned. I'm already forming you into that design that I had from you from the beginning. I'm already using you. Remain in me. Abide in me. Dwell in me. Because I have big plans. The disciples were in the boat one evening, all evening actually, trying to, trying to row about a half mile from one point to another. But the winds were up, there were waves that were pushing their boat back, and they were out there all night trying to cross a portion of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus had not gotten into the boat. In fact, Jesus had told them to get in and go to the other side of the lake. There in Matthew 14, we find the disciples now very, very late at night, very early in the morning, pre-dawn, and they see a ghostly figure walking on the water. The 11, the 12 men in that boat are scared to death. 
They begin to quiver and shake in fear. It's a ghost, they cry out. And then they hear a voice. Do not be afraid, it is I. Peter recognizes that voice. My gosh. That's Jesus. How, how is this possible? He thinks to himself, Lord, if it's you, if it's really you out there walking on the water, which seems completely impossible to me, makes no sense whatsoever, this doesn't fit into my comprehension of what's possible for humans. This is not, not supposed to happen. If it's you, call me out of the boat. Call me to you. And Jesus says, come. To the dismay of the frightened 11 others, Peter raises his leg and puts it over the side of the boat takes his other foot over the side. He sits on the edge. He puts his feet on the water and it's firm enough for him to stand. Makes no sense, does it? Absolutely no sense. But he looks out and he begins to walk towards Jesus. Because in that moment, if Peter was going to follow Jesus' ask, to abide, to dwell in him, it meant for him to get out of his boat. In that moment, for Peter to dwell in Jesus, he wasn't in his boat. He was out walking on the waters. Each of us live right now. We're dwelling in some sort of a boat. We've, we, we've constructed our lives in some way with our rhythms, with what we're giving ourselves to daily with what our hopes and our dreams are. And I'm not saying those hopes and those dreams and what you're giving yourself to, to daily are all bad. But you know where Jesus is? He's walking on the water. He's out there walking on the water. How? Verse 7, Jesus says, You remain in me when my words remain in you. Verse 10, You remain in me when my, you obey my commands. Verse 12, My command is that you love as I have loved. How? You abide, you make your dwelling in the Lord Jesus, in this one who is walking on the water. You get out of your boat, you start to walk on the water like Peter, as you let the words that you're reading in Scripture be commands that you follow. And the central command being, love as I have loved you. That's going to require each and every one of us to get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus out there. That we would be willing to take on the commitment first to learning what Jesus has commanded, which all revolves around sacrificial love, 
and then doing it. That's how you remain in Jesus. That's how you make your dwelling in him. And that's why as a church, we expect that people eventually make that type of a commitment. They move from connect to commit. Because as Jay said earlier, that's simply what God's asked. It's simply what Jesus has asked from us. And yes, it's going to change your life. Yes, it's even going to change the world. But most importantly, it's just because that's what Jesus is asking. He's out there. It's time for us to continue to lift our feet over the side of that boat. Whether you're six years old or you're 96 years old, Jesus is outside on the water, and we can all abide in him. So here's your final questions. If you have small groups, here they are. Where are you abiding? Where are you making your dwelling place right now? Identify those. Where are you abiding? Where are you making your dwelling place now? What, what based on your rhythms, based on what you're reading, based on what you're watching, how you're using your time, what are your values? Okay, the, where are you abiding now? Where are you making your dwelling place? And then the question is, what would be a first way for you? First practical step for you to get your leg over the side of that boat and go towards Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we're grateful that you are speaking in ways that we can understand. That these words that you said are in plain logic. We can think and we can talk about them. Thank you, Lord. You've called us to remain in you, to hear your words, your commands, your call to love sacrificially. Lord, I pray that as we continue to connect together as your people, as we continue to connect, that we would also be a people that are willing to commit, to dwell in you, to make our abiding place in your words. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As we move into a time of our self-offering, we always have our a box up here to help support the, the church financially or online. It's also a time self-offering for you to continue to reflect on the words that we have just heard and to, um, as Don said earlier, to be encouraged and challenged all at the same time about what the Lord Jesus has for us together.